Your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Is the Bible... Hate speech. Hate speech. Is the Bible hate speech? Is the Bible nothing more than a, uh, a book to support the Republican Party? That's going to be a conversation I want to have in the What's Concerning Us section today. Several uh, headlines out uh, sort of related to that. The IRS is rejecting a Christian non-profit's tax-exempt status because, quote, Bible teaches Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party, unquote. Want to dive into that, uh, plus a lot of other stories. Uh, so there is some good news, too, I think we can talk about in the What's Concerning Us. Coming up in the guest segment, Phil uh, or Philip Lawler is going to be our guest. He's got a brand new book out called Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic. Uh, you might remember the 2020 year of uh locked churches and not being able to go to Easter Sunday Mass. I mean, we're going to review that with Philip Lawler. Great author, by the way. He goes all the way back to the the first major scandal up in New England, up in Boston. I remember it very vividly. Uh, he wrote about that, and he called the spade a spade early on, well before anybody else did. So Philip Lawler is going to be our guest in the guest segment. It's going to be a jam-packed show, and we're very excited about that. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning. I had to get my headphones on. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, lots in the news today. Anything of value? Anything of merit? Well, that's up to discernment. But uh, <laughs> there's there is some good news of it's always, and there's there's not as good news. But in the end, it is all good news. Well, I tell you, lately I've been seeing so many reports of just blatant violence. Yes. That it makes my stomach crawl. There was another story out of Chicago of a couple being dragged out of the car and and basically shot point blank range. Um, it's just appalling to see this video, to see people standing by filming these things and never interceding, never getting involved, never trying to prevent any of this violence is just heart wrenching to watch as a as a husband and father. So we're living in dark times, and prayer and fasting is definitely needed. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. And uh, speaking of good news and happy thoughts and joyous tidings, uh, Father Ryan Stonway of Houston, Texas, he passed away today of cancer. And so, if you'd keep him in your prayers and pray for the repose of his soul, that'd be uh, that'd be great. He is an incredible uh, young man. Uh, he was only ordained a few years ago. I met him when he was still a, a seminarian. He sat right where uh, you know Saint Teresa of Avila is hanging out in the studio here with us. Anna is here as an intern, and he sat right in that chair the first time I ever, ever met him as a young seminarian. And uh, I got to watch him move through the seminary into ordination and. And just have the joy and the radiance of, of the love of his vocation that he spread to all those in his presence. And his love for the faith, his love for the tradition of the church, uh, just radiated brightly. And uh, he suffered uh, mightily through, through cancer, and now he has passed on to eternity. So let's pray for, the, pray for the repose of his soul today, as well as all those that will face eternity today. Let's pray also for those family members who are going to be grieving and suffering in their wake. 
Um, let's uh, let's also pray for each of one of your needs as well as we jump into our show today. Again, Philip Lawler is going to be our guest. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for all or part of today's program. And uh, you can always catch the podcast of the show. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, I don't know, Stitcher, a bunch of places. You can also just go to our website and you can listen to the podcast episodes right there as well as get a bunch of other information about our program, join our email list, and so much more. It's all at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle A. Looking at the headlines today, Olympics goes awoke. A man weightlifts against women for the world to see. Laurel Hubbard becomes first trans athlete to compete at the Olympics. Massachusetts records nearly 4,000 positive COVID-19 tests among the fully vaccinated. Rising violent crime poses a new challenge for White House. Denver area shooting leaves three dead, including the officer and gunman. Taliban sees key Afghan district. From the church militant, U.S. bishops trigger Catholic Dems. Catholic Democrats are attacking the U.S. bishops for drafting a document on Holy Communion. A total of 59 leftist Catholics in Congress lectured the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in a Friday statement, telling them it would be immoral to deny them Holy Communion owing to their support for murdering the unborn. The sacrament of Holy Communion is central to the life of practicing Catholics, and the weaponization of the Eucharist to Democratic lawmakers for their support of a woman's safe and legal access to abortion is contradictory, the letter charges. Democrats claim social justice issues like the death penalty and immigration are morally equal to unashamedly supporting abortion, a flawed evocation known as seamless garment theory. But this error flies in the face of a USCCB declaration from 2019 that stated the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks life itself. The hullabaloo comes in response to a Thursday vote by the bishops to discuss a drafting in a document on Eucharistic worthiness, which may potentially contain guidelines that instruct anti-life politicians to voluntarily abstain from the Eucharist or be denied it by their ministers of the Eucharist. Discussions on the document are intended to uphold several church teachings as present in the Church's Code of Canon Law, such as Canon 1398, which states, a person who procures a completed abortion incurs a laite sententiae, or automatic excommunication. When questions arose on what procuring an abortion meant, the Vatican Doctrinal Office further clarified in 2009 that formal cooperation in an abortion constitutes a grave offense, and the Church attaches the canonical penalty of excommunication to this crime against human life. Receiving the Eucharist unworthily is a mortal sin known as sacrilege, when a person deliberately violates a sacred thing or person. Denying one the opportunity to commit this grave act is often viewed as an act of mercy. Democrats appear hostile to this mercy, especially Catholic Democrats like California's Ted Lieu, who took to Twitter on Friday to dare the U.S. bishops to reject him 
from receiving Holy Communion. Regardless of the Democrats' accusations in the letter, the teachings of the Church are clear on the issue of abortion and the consequences for supporting it. At this moment, only time will tell if the bishops will choose to defend the Eucharist in their upcoming discussions on drafting this document. From LifeSite News, abortions skyrocket in UK, parts of US amid abortion pill surge. Abortions rose to record levels in the UK and at least one American state in 2020 as abortion pill use skyrocketed during the COVID-19 crisis. Recent data from the British government earlier this month revealed that about 211,000 abortions were committed in England and Wales in 2020, the highest number since the UK broadly legalized abortion in 1967. The statistics published by the Department for Health and Social Care noted an increase of 1,341 abortions from the previous record high in 2019. There were 3,083 abortions sought due to disability, and 693 of those were related to Down syndrome diagnoses. Right to Life UK said there are also 35 abortions where the baby had cleft lip or cleft palate, an increase of 105.88% from 2019, the group added. Pro-life advocates point out that the spike in abortions come as British Health Secretary Matt Hancock introduced DIY abortions last March amid the pandemic. DIY abortion involves abortionists mailing abortion pills after a phone or virtual consolation rather than actually examining pregnant women. The top abortion pill, Mifepristone, poses even greater risks to women than already dangerous surgical abortions and has been linked to at least 24 maternal deaths and thousands of potential injuries, though it can be reversed within 72 hours. An at-home abortion or teleabortion also proliferated in the United States last year despite attempts by the Trump administration to mandate in-person pickup of the drug. Research has shown that women re requested self-managed chemical abortions at a 27% higher rate in the early months of COVID-19 in the United States, while the amount of women trying to obtain abortion drugs through teleabortion, a virtual abortion program active in certain states, doubled last spring. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Tuesday, June 22nd. God love you. The saint of the day is St. John Fisher. He was born in 1469 at Beverly, Yorkshire, England. He studied theology at Cambridge University, receiving degrees in 1487 and 1491. He was a parish priest in North, North Allerton, England, from 1491 to 1494. He gained a reputation for his teaching abilities. He became the proctor of Cambridge University and confessor to Margaret Beaufort, mother of King Henry VII. In 1497, the Bishop of Rochester, England, in 1504, he worked to raise the standard of preaching in his see. He became the Chancellor of Cambridge. He became the tutor of the young King Henry VIII. Excellent. He became an excellent speaker and writer, and when in 1527 he was asked to study the problem of Henry's marriage, he became the target of Henry's wrath when John, defending the validity of the marriage and rejecting Henry's claim to be head of the church in England. He was imprisoned in 1534 for his opposition and he spent 14 months in prison without trial. While in prison, he was created a cardinal in 1535 by Pope Paul III. He was martyred on the 22nd of June, 1535 on Tower Hill, Tyburn, London, England. He buried in the churchyard of uh, he was buried in the churchyard of Al Hollows Barking, England, without rites or a shroud. 
He, the head exib- exhibited on a London Bridge for two weeks as an example and then thrown into the River Thames. The relics are in St. Peter's Church in the Tower of London. He was canonized in 1935 by Pope Pius XI. St. John Fisher, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 6 and 12 through 14. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I find it fascinating that in a day and a time where uh, we are seeing that the bishops, you know, sort of debate them within themselves about whether or not they should enforce the canon law in regards to uh, giving communion to those that would uh, obstinately refuse Catholic Church teaching on the intrinsic evil issues, like abortion, for instance. Uh, we see this gospel passage today reminding us that we should not, you know, give the sacred to the profaned. Uh, and verboom.com forward slash GRN has generously underwritten this gospel reflection, making it easy for us to dive into the early church fathers and what they thought and saw and how they uh, interpreted these passages and making it super easy for us. And we're very grateful to them. Thank you, verboom.com forward slash GRN for your sponsorship. Uh, St. Augustine said, the Lord had warned us above to have, uh, to have a heart single and pure with which to seek God. But as this belongs to but few, he begins to speak of finding out wisdom. It belongs to but few. See, not just anyone could come to the feast. The Navarre commentary actually said, the kingdom of heaven is like a precious pearl and should not be exposed to anyone who, like an unclean animal, will not appreciate its value and will render it unclean. Even the early church itself very distinctly understood this. The Didache itself teaches that you just can't let anyone to communion. No, not all. They have to be baptized and they have to believe what the church teaches. They have to have a real and solid communion with Holy Mother Church, or they are excluded because they would be profaning the sacred. Meditate upon that. We'll be right back with the What's Concerning Us. It's coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God, and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. 
Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I want to thank gloryandshine.com for being a generous sponsor of our program. They're a Catholic uh, family-owned and operated company. They make personal health care products. Not health care, but like uh, personal care products like lotions, soaps, uh, body mist, things like that. Uh, I got the, the, the beard care, the warrior box, which came in some of the most stunning Catholic packaging. I mean, the Sacred Heart, the Immaculate Heart is beautifully displayed. It was just so incredible. I think my wife got the uh, the, the body mess, but uh, I've really been enjoying it. They're a great company, and we're just so grateful to them for their generous support of our program, making it possible for us to get up at 3 a.m. Uh, five days a week to bring you the latest information, inspiring, engaging conversation, and much more. So thank you, gloryandshine.com, for your generous support of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, Coming up in just a little while here, 35 past the hour, we're going to be speaking with Philip Lawler. He's had several books that are just incredible. The Smoke of Satan, of course, Lost Shepherd were very good, but he's got a brand new one out uh, over on Sophia Institute Press, Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic. And we're going to be talking about the year of pandemic and how the bishops responded, the church responded and uh, having an insightful conversation with Philip Lawler. So stick around for that. In the What's Concerning Us, you know, there's a bright spot today. Um, with all the negative news, with all the incredibly intense news, the, the video footage of people being shot point-blank range, that kind of thing, which makes my gut, you know, wrench. It's crazy. Uh, I found this article, and I was very surprised by this. This is good news. In fact, I think we ought to book the, uh, somebody from this organization to be on the program to talk about it. Uh, Breitbart reports, Father's Day ad, let's resurrect the two-parent black family. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? A black-led, Minnesota-based family, faith, and free enterprise movement has taken out an ad on Father's Day to recruit a, quote, a few good men, unquote, to help, quote, ignite a resurrection of the two-parent black family. Yay and amen, I say. According to uh, one of their ads, I think this was posted over on Twitter, it says, according to the ad, in our lifetime, the black community went from 80% two-parent families to 80% fatherless homes without an initiative to reverse the devastating trend until now. We're standing up to lead the charge. The organization is called Take Charge Minnesota. Uh, Very fascinating to me. And I would love to interview somebody from that organization, and hopefully we'll get them on, to get the the details um, about the movement. Because this is vitally necessary. There is a disproportionate amount of fatherless homes within the black community in America than there are in any other uh, any other segment. So this is a great thing, a great initiative that will have a bottom line effect on children, on the community, on, a, on our country. So praise be to God. Let's pray for the success of that. 
There's also uh, another article here on Breitbart that I found called European, this is the headline, European bishops insist that abortion is not healthcare. Praise be to Jesus. Praise be to Jesus. Um, The European bishops have reacted strongly to an attempt to have abortion recognized as a human right, insisting that the unborn child has a human right to life. Yay and amen. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's obvious to, say, toddlers and, you know, six and seven-year-olds. Ask them if a baby in the womb of their parent has a right to life. Their answer naturally will be, of course, because it's obvious that a baby in the womb has a right to life. It is not just her body because the baby has its own body. Just like the car does not have its own rights over the its occupants within, they are themselves a different, uh, uh, you know, object or a person within the car. That kind of concept, but it's not so obvious to so many people that would reject, especially those uh, public Catholics that reject the Church's teaching on the dignity of the human person and the natural right to life from conception. For instance, another article over on the Blaze Media headline goes. Democratic lawmaker threatens Catholic Church's tax-exempt status as it considers denying communion to pro-abortion polls. The story reads, pro-abortion politicians, activists, and opinion makers have spent the last several days attacking the Catholic Church for daring to even discuss the possibility of denying communion to lawmakers who support abortion. Now, at least one Democratic lawmaker is publicly declaring that the church's tax-exempt status could be at stake for taking a position that has always been the church's position. Don't you love that? Always been the church's position. Since the election of President Joe Biden, the nation's second Catholic president, debate has intensified over whether an elected official who supports and implements policies that promote abortion should be permitted to take the Eucharist. Church officials revealed Friday that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops voted 165 to 88 to reconsider the rules about who can receive communion. Now, let me just stop there for clarify. That's not what they voted on. What they voted on was whether or not they should have a discussion about it in the fall and that a committee could draft a discussion document in order to facilitate such a discussion in the fall. But let's be clear. The bishops don't need a document at all to enforce Catholic Church teaching on those publicly obstinate Catholics who refuse uh, to, uh, to abide by the Church's teaching. They don't need a document at all. They are the bishops of their diocese. They, are, they have the authority already uh, to, to do this. And if they wanted to be pastoral and meet with these publicly obstinate Catholics, well, what's stopping you? A phone call away. Knock on the door to their office. It's totally within your power. It has been forever. It's totally within your ability to be pastoral and to meet with them, to try to to win their soul for Christ and bring them back into the fold. That's always been the case. You don't need a document or a discussion in, in the USCC beat for that. Oh, by the way, canon law also has already said that you cannot give Holy Communion to obstinate publicly uh, public offenders of the church teaching the right uh, to life. What document do you need? You don't need a document. There's no document needed. So what they're debating is whether or not they want to come together as a body of bishops and have the same uh, opinion, the same procedure, the same sort of uh, method of going and dealing with this particular issue. That's what they're debating.
So nothing has changed. Nothing has happened. And, and frankly, come November, when they finally meet, nothing may change then either. Even if they have this debate, debate and they come up with a resolution, still nothing may never come of it. This article goes on to say the bishops elected to draft a formal statement on the meeting of the Eucharist in the life of the church. In response, liberal outlets like the New York Times accused the church of moving to, quote, target, unquote, Biden, whom they consider an allegedly devout Catholic. <laughs> an allegedly devout Catholic. You got to love it. Bottom line here is there is a, uh, a Democrat who is threatening to remove the ta- or threatening to try to get the tax exempt status of the church removed because the church may enforce the church's teaching on the holy on communion. Um, wow. Okay. Well, that would be bad for the church for, for from a financial standpoint. But let the chips fall where they may. God's will be done in all things. Um, defending the sacred against the profane was the gospel today. That is, in fact, what the earliest church members did, and that's what we still must do today. And that is why there's a lot at stake here. Let me move on to another story. This also came out of uh, the Blaze Media. Headline reads, IRS rejects Christian nonprofits tax-exempt status. Or forgive me, we start over. IRS rejects Christian nonprofits tax-exempt request because Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party. The article reads, The Internal Revenue Service last month denied a Christian nonprofit organization tax-exempt status by arguing its mission of educating and empowering Christians to engage in America's civic process necessarily benefits the Republican Party. In a May rejection letter sent to Christians engaged, the IRS wrote, that the group is disqualified from the status because the, quote, Bible's teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates, unquote. Quote, specifically, you educate Christians on what the Bible says in areas where they can be instrumental, including the areas of sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, the biblical justice, freedom of speech, defense and borders and immigration, U.S. and Israel relations, unquote. IRS exempt organization director Stephen Martin wrote in the letter, quote, the Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates. This disqualifies you from exemption under IRC section 501c3, unquote. Christians Engaged says on its website that it, quote, exists to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation and elected officials regularly, vote in every election to impact our culture, and engage our hearts in some form of political education or activism for the furtherance of our nation, unquote. Now, this is fascinating to me because, as I've said, I don't know anything about this organization. I don't know who they are. What they stand for beyond what I just read to you, I have no idea. But here's, the, here's what I've been saying for a long time on this. If being a faithful Catholic, reading sacred scripture, the tradition of the church, the patrimony of this beautiful uh, gift handed on from Jesus down through the apostles, the bishops, down to our age, makes us sound more conservative, or as some would say, Republican, well, that's not my fault. Defending the right to life If that sounds Republican, well, I'm so sorry. That's not my fault. If defending marriage between a man and a woman 
is uh, sounds more conservative, more Republican. I'm so sorry. That is not my fault. Similarly, if I were to defend or the 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 defending the weak, the poor, the homeless, you know, the naked, the those that are imprisoned, uh, the even even those that would seek to uh, find refuge in our country because of persecution back home. If that would make me sound more liberal, well, I'm so sorry, that is not my fault. I do not care about uh, Democrats and Republicans as much as I care about Jesus Christ and his church and the true faith that he has handed on and obedience to that, even if it's unpopular. And today we see an obstinate refusal to adhere by Catholics. Why are you Catholic? St. John Fisher died a martyr because he refused to acquiesce. St. Thomas More died a martyr because he refused to go along, to, to get along with the most popular, the group, the, the, those that would say we should all do this other thing. Why are you Catholic if you refuse the Catholic Church's teaching? If you do not adhere to the Church's teaching, why is it important for you to stay? I think that's a deep question you ought to reflect upon. Take it to a confessor and ask your priest. What is the roadblock? Because the church teaches what it teaches not to be mean. The church teaches what it teaches not to just be ornery. The church teaches what it teaches not to just try to force its will upon people. It teaches it because it's true. And if it's true, it's good for you. It's God's will. And in God's will is the most perfect option for our lives. It is not just because we want to just be uh, obstinate to the world. That is not the goal. Salvation of souls is the goal. Let us meditate today upon the truth itself and the impact that should have on our lives. It's very important today that in this public discourse, this public conversation, that we adhere to the truth of the teaching, not to that of our political parties. Be Catholic first and foremost, above all and everything else. All right, we're going to go to break, come back with breaking news and stories, and Phil Lawler is going to be our guest. Don't worry, we'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone say that they don't like the Catholic Church because it's so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, You cannot live without dogmas. You cannot act for 24 hours without making a decision based on some deeply held belief that you cannot prove. Man can be defined as an animal that makes dogmas. Trees have no dogmas. Turnips are singularly broad-minded. In truth, there are only two kinds of people. Those who accept dogmas and know it, and those who accept dogmas and don't know it. So when someone objects to the Catholic Church for being too dogmatic, it only means that they are dogmatic against it, even though they have no idea what their own dogmas are. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. 
From church militant apostolic LGBTQ, Rome chooses leftists over canon lawyers. By the Catholic News Service, Pope names two U.S. Cardinals Altoona Bishop to Vatican Supreme Court. Pope Francis has named U.S. Cardinals Joseph Tobin of Newark, New Jersey, and James Harvey, Archpriest of Rome's Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls, to be members of the Vatican Supreme Court. The Pope also nominated Bishop Mark Barchok of Altoona, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and Cardinal Gerhard Muller, former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, and to be among the 12 members of the Apostolic Signature, the Vatican's highest court. Members of the Apostolic Signature serve as guests, judges in the tribunal's cases, which mainly involve appeals of lower court decisions or of administrative decisions by other offices of the Holy See. The appeals involve everything from challenges to the decisions of marriage tribunals, to recourse against the dismissal of a religious, the transfer of a parish priest, the restriction of a priest's ministry, removal of ministerial faculties, renovation of a parish church, and dismissal from a teaching position. The other eight members named June 21st are Cardinal Mario Gretsch, Secretary General of the Senate of Bishops, Archbishop Cyril Vassal, Apostolic Administrator for Eastern Catholics in Slovakia, Archbishop Celso Marga Iruzubieta of Merida, Badajoz, Spain, Auxiliary Bishop Christoph Hedge of Münster, Germany, Auxiliary Bishop Dominicus, Mayor of Paderborn, Germany, Bishop Andrea Meglia Vaca of San Mianato, Italy, Bishop Pier Antonio Pavanello of Adria Rovigo, Italy, and Bishop Edidio Maria Goli of Mondovi, Italy. Francis also named seven leading professors of canon law to be consultants to the Apostolic Signature, including William Daniel, who teaches at the Catholic University of America, Washington. LifeSite News reports, lab tests show 11 dangerous pathogens found in children's masks. A group of concerned parents in Florida sent their children's face masks in for testing and found them contaminated with a multitude of dangerous bacteria. Six masks, five worn by children and one by an adult, were sent into a lab at the University of Florida after parents noticed rashes and skin disturbances on the faces of their children. The results, as reported by RationalGround.com, showed that the masks were a seabed for harmful bacteria, fungi, and parasites. The report states, quote, Half the masks were contaminated with one or more strands of pneumonia-causing bacteria, one-third were contaminated with one or more strains of meningitis-causing bacteria, one-third were contaminated with dangerous antibiotic-resistant bacterial pathogens. In addition, less dangerous pathogens were identified, including pathogens that can cause fever, ulcers, acne, yeast infections, strep throat, periodontal disease, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, and more, end quote. Amanda Donahoe, one of the concerned parents in Florida, explained how her sons came home with rashes around their mouths and nose, and this prompted her and other parents to investigate what was growing in the mask. At the school, Donahoe explained her sons are in masks all day, seven hours a day. The only break they get is to eat or drink. They don't get breaks for recess or PE, even outside. Dr. Nicole Safir stated that face masks have their utility in the fight against the pandemic, but India Amanda is right. They are not 100% effective against this virus. Safir continued and said that a benefit-risk analysis of our children wearing face masks is needed. You can have poor denitition or development of teeth from increased biofilm. You can have chapped lifts, 
increased sinus infection, acne, and other skin problems. The benefits of mask wearing in children, she concluded, do not outweigh those inherent risks anymore. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now by a, a Zoom call is uh, Phil Lawler. He is the author of a brand new book called Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic. He's also written some other many great books, but uh, The Smoke of Satan, Lost Shepherd are really good. I also recommend them. Good morning to you, Philip Lawler. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. Uh, this is, a, I think, a, a timely book for sure. And I was listening to some of your other interviews in regards to this book, and I was thinking back on last year and, and sort of my own depression on the highest feast day in our calendar, Easter Sunday, not being able to go to church because the doors were locked, and I just could not get over the sense that we were lacking supernatural faith, that we needed the courage to stand up to a culture that says, uh, fear, 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 and we needed to respond in, with great courage, but we didn't. What say you, Philip Lawler? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. As I try to argue in the book, fear is contagious. Faith is also contagious. And the church should be spreading faith, the contagion of faith, if you want to put it that way. And at a time when the world was frightened, the church should be providing perspective, a perspective that says your physical health is not the only thing you should be worried about. You should be more concerned about your spiritual health. In fact, if you're worried about your physical health, all the more reason to be concerned about your spiritual health, because you want to be in shape to meet, meet our Lord when that time comes. And it was a frightening thing to me when I woke up one day and realized I couldn't go to Mass, not because I was sick, but because the churches were closed, the doors were closed to me, because our pastors had determined that I should not be given the sacraments. And to me, that was so unthinkable. It took me months and the writing of this book to get over it, and I'm not sure I'm over it yet. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you. I think I remember at first, okay, they're going to shut down for a couple of weeks just to see how things go. Fine. It seems prudential, whatever. Uh, but then you get a month into it and you're like, hold on, this is something different. And uh, all of a sudden you're scrolling through your social feed and it's one live stream after another mass live streamed. And, and then it becomes almost pointless because there's no value. There's so many and it just... Who's, who's actually watching these things? And are they treating them with any sort of sacredness or a reverence? Um, I remember, you know, getting my kids up and putting, dressing them for Sunday mass, but uh, going to the living room to, you know, to, in, to install a TV to watch the mass and just feeling like this is, this is not good enough. And I remember saying that on social media and getting the, getting sort of the, the, the pushback. How dare you suggest? How dare you suggest? Don't you want to save those? that would be uh, harmed by this. What would you say to that, Phil Lawler? Again, I'd agree with you. Watching the Mass on TV or on live stream or however you do it is a poor substitute for actual actually being there, participating in the Holy Sacrifice. It's not the same. Our Catholic faith is always a faith in which the sacraments are, are tangible. You know, you need water for baptism. You don't need much else, but you must have water. You need bread and wine. You need to be there. And sure, if you can't be there, then Zoom or whatever it is is better than nothing. But it is not the same. And it, 
another thing that I worry about a great deal is you tell me about the pushback that you felt, and, and that's not uncommon. When anyone suggested during the worst of the shutdown that live stream mass was not the same as being at mass, they were criticized for being imprudent, uncharitable, but they were right. And after months of telling people, don't worry about getting to mass, you can watch it on live stream. Now the doors are open again. Are the people coming back? Because my strong sense is that we will have lost a lot of people. Yeah, when I was going to ask them, you that. When you, when you tell people, don't worry about it, if you're not comfortable, don't come. <laughs> well, how comfortable do I have to be? You know, right. I'm really right. comfortable in bed on Sunday morning. Right. And, now, I wonder, not only will how many people probably won't come back, but I wonder how many bishops are going to hold on to uh, keeping the dispensation in place, uh, the Sunday obligation dispensation in place. I mean, the diocese I'm in, it's, as far as I know, it's not been lifted yet. Um, everybody else is acting like it's, you know, we're back to normal again, but the dispensation hasn't been lifted. So I wonder how many dioceses are going to keep their dispensations in place and, and when, if ever, they're going to try to get back to a sense of, uh, no, there's a reason why there's a Sunday obligation, and we have to uh, adhere to that. Well, I haven't tracked it carefully, but as best I know, every diocese that has lifted the dispensation and told people to come back has included a sort of codicil. If you're sick or you are vulnerable, then you you still are dispensed. Yes. And that's kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card. And now roll the camera forward a few months Winter is going to come again, and every winter there's at least a flu. And if you are vulnerable, if you feel a little sniffle, if you feel like you might catch the flu from somebody else, and now I'm talking about just a regular seasonal flu, mm. is that a reason to skip mass? Because this is, the, this is the underlining issue here, is that the bishops, all of our pastors made the decision that this disease was so frightening that we should shut everything down. Well, how frightening does it have to be? And who makes that decision? To me, it seems we are reasonable, responsible adults. We should make the decision the way we always have. We've always thought if you're too sick to go to church, don't go to church. Right. <laughs> if you have a bad infectious, infectious disease, don't go to church for the sake of your fellow parishioners. But if you're perfectly healthy, to say, I don't want to go to church because there is a chance, mm. less than a one in a hundred chance, that I might get a disease which might be fatal, although there too it's very unlikely for if you're reasonably healthy. Uh, that spikes all of your spiritual growth. There's something seriously wrong with the message there. Hold that thought. Philip Lawler's our guest. His book is called Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear, in a Pandemic. We're going to Be right back after this very short break and have another conversation with him. Also about term limits for bishops. What is that about? That's coming up right after the break. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we're pulled in many directions. Our world is frantic and sometimes chaotic. We parents need to take a pause. Take some time away to become more intentional in our Catholic family life. We suggest a tool that we call the Family Board Meeting. 
This meeting's a time for you and your spouse to affirm each other and your giftedness, cast a vision framing what you want your family to look like, and then set concrete goals to make that vision a reality. More than ever, our world needs dynamic Catholic families. That only happens when parents are intentional about building a Catholic family culture within their home. Take time to build a culture that is stronger and more influential on your children than the culture of the world that surrounds them. To help you run this board meeting, we've created a tool for you. A download at our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. Get the worksheet and then work with your spouse to be more intentional in your family life. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Philip Lawler is our guest. We're talking about his book, Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic. It is published by Sophia Institute Press, sophiainstitute.com. Check it out. Uh, good book, I'm sure. I haven't read it yet, but I've really loved his other books, uh, Smoke of Satan and uh, Lost Shepherd in particular. Very good. But, uh, Phil, you go way back to the um, to the... The sex scandal out of Boston. Now, I was in New England at the time. I lived in New Hampshire. I became Catholic in 1999 uh, in the Cathedral of Manchester, New Hampshire. The bishop who who confirmed me himself was guilty of moving uh, uh, credibly accused priests around the archdiocese under cardinal law. And I remember I, be, I became Catholic just to check a box so I can get married. And then I had a mystical encounter that changed my life later. However. At the time that those stories were breaking in the news, I was like, what did I get myself into? Like, what? What, what sure. is the priest doing? What? This is insane. Uh, compared to those days, these uh, modern scandals that now these years, all these years later, almost 20 years later, uh, are you shook? Are you not surprised? Did you see that coming? Well, if you're talking, which scandal are you talking well, about? Well, there you so, go. I mean, that's the $64,000 question. There's too many to count, isn't there not? I mean, there's still there's sex abuse scandals still going on. There's money scandals going on. There's the lack of uh, supernatural courage during a pandemic, and on and on it goes. So, okay. I mean, I think I heard you say that uh, we're seeing sort of the fruit of, uh, of the same culture that was persistent in back in those days. Uh, uh, yes, I think that they all stem from the same cause. But to, to answer your question really quickly, I was more shaken by the lockdown of the churches than I was by the sex abuse scandal. Even wow. though I was living at ground zero, I knew people personally, I spoke to many victims and a few perpetrators, uh, and it was terribly shocking, of course, and depressing. But to me, it never reached the level of disorientation, personal disorientation that I felt when the churches were closed. I thought, well, I knew there were bad priests. I knew I found out there were bad bishops as well. Uh, but at least I always had access to the sacraments. And then last year, I didn't have access to the sacraments. And by choice, not my choice. That to me was more shocking. Um, but I think all of these scandals 
I trace them to a common source, which is uh, the willingness of church leaders to play by the rules of a secular society, to judge themselves and to judge the church, the success of the church by how it appears in the eyes of the world, which is always going to work wrong. It, you, when, you, uh, when you try to conform to the world in order to gain prestige, what happens is you get neither. You, mm. you don't get prestige and you don't, uh, you don't get the power that you want. You lose the influence that you have. You lose the cohesion because the, the church runs on faith. The church doesn't run on prestige. And I feel that uh, then Cardinal Ratzinger was being prophetic when he said when he said that he could foresee a smaller but more influential church, as he said, a creative minority. That seems to be always the time when the church grows, when it faces opposition and faces it boldly. Phil Lollard's our guest. Uh, we were talking about his book, The Contagious Faith, published by Sophia Institute Press. But I want to transition to this article over on catholicculture.org, Term Limits for Church Leaders, a Policy Created to be Ignored by Phil Lawler. Tell us about this article. You know, it's funny. It's, it, it, it made more of a splash than I expected. I thought it was just... I was just reporting. This is something <laughs> that I do, reporting on Catholic affairs, reporting on what's going on at the Vatican. Pope Francis, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago, instituted a new policy uh, that leaders of the Roman Curia, Vatican officials, uh, would have term limits that they would be, rather that they would be appointed for five-year terms, and that there should not be a presumption that they would be reappointed. That ordinarily they would cycle through to serve a term and go move on, mm. uh, and that they would retire at the age of seventy-five unless the Pope chose to keep them. Well, I just looked through the list of the leaders of the Roman Curia, and I pointed out, as a matter of fact, that most of them are beyond their five-year term. <laughs> Many of them are beyond the age of 75. Now, there's no question the Pope gets to have the aids he wants. It's his choice. It's just, I thought, a sort of funny thing that having instituted the policy, um, he is not really paying much attention to it himself. Uh, well, Phil Lawler is our guest. We have about seven minutes left in our conversation. Uh, I had, a, you know, I was reading the article and what struck me and what I, and maybe this is why it's making such a splash is because it seems as though to me that whenever a good bishop like Cardinal Seurat, for instance, Whenever uh, they reach the age where they, it's time to submit your uh, resignation, time to retire, then uh, usually the Pope tends to, at least from my observation, I don't know if it's factually true, they, but the Pope tends to accept those resignations. But a lot of these other players that are maybe uh, not as uh, orthodox or as wonderful seems to stick around for longer and longer and not have their resignation accepted. Um, in a different case, the story of uh, Cardinal Marx, who was uh, not reaching retirement age, but did send in a resignation letter because of unorthodoxy and was uh, not his resignation was not accepted. Uh, so I think maybe that is the reason why it's taken um, made a splash. Could you comment on that? Yes, there's no question that the pattern you're observing is there. That, uh, But again... He's the Pope. He makes the decisions. It, nobody disputes his authority to choose the people he wants and to, uh, when he no longer wants them, he can replace them. That's, 
that's clear. He has chosen to replace Cardinal Sarah. Uh, he chose a few years ago to replace Cardinal Muller as prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And Cardinal Muller at that time, um, he, he sort of took one for the team. He was very gracious. And he said, well, the Pope has just instituted this new policy about not, uh, re- not returning people for a second term, five-year term, and I'm the first one to whom it applied. <laughs> well, that was true then, but it's applied to a whole bunch of people since then, and they haven't been replaced. Again, that's the Pope's decision. He wants to make that decision. He has the authority to do it. I, I guess I was just calling attention to the fact that he's doing it selectively, as you say. You know, and uh, I think as you point out, there's not much we could do about that. I mean, he's the Pope and we're not. Um, but in this sort of current culture, this uh, conversation that's happening in the United States with the USCCB, with the Holy Eucharist, the document on the discussion that could possibly happen in November that might amount or might not amount to anything really. Um, how do we see the role of bishops uh, in regards to these sort of hot-button issues politically? I mean, this particular instance in your article seems to suggest there's a little, as we discussed, there's a little favoritism going on. We like these bishops and not these, and so these are going to go uh, be applied to this and not that. Um, is there, are we ever going to see a day and an age where they just go with the faith and teach the faith and adhere to this faith, or is this going to be common until the end of time? There's probably always going to be a tendency in bishops, particularly ambitious bishops, uh, to do whatever is fashionable with the current pontifical pontificate, you know, to to curry favor in high places. Um, But I'm hopeful that one of the things that's going to come out of this era of crisis in the church is a greater sense of... uh, of empowerment of individual bishops. You know, the individual diocesan bishop, he is the authority in his own diocese. He's not a branch manager for the Pope. He is the bishop in that diocese. And regarding, for instance, this document that's been discussed so much about a policy for withholding communion from people who are flouting the teachings of the church, any diocesan bishop can do that right now. He doesn't need the go-ahead from anyone. In fact, you could argue, I think quite persuasively, that canon law, specifically canon 915, gives him not just the right but the duty to implement that policy right now. It doesn't matter, ultimately, what the USCCB, the Conference of Bishops, says. It matters what the individual bishop says. And there, too, I would argue that faith is contagious. And if you have strong bishops who take strong stands, people will flock to them. Speaking the bishops who pull their punches who won't get that kind of following. Speaking of, of contagious, if I'm not mistaken, in the Diocese, Archdiocese of Chicago, they require vaccinations in order to come to Holy Mass and thus come to communion. But uh, they don't require that, uh, you know, the, the, the position on, on marriage or the position on abortion or, or in vitro or, or these types of things. Those, those are optional. But vaccination, you have to have that. I find that fascinating. But what do you think about these bishops that say, well, we want to be more pastoral? Well, do we know, do we have any records or any knowledge? Have they actually been pastoral? Have they been meeting with these these uh, pro-choice politicians, for instance, uh, and trying to discuss what the church teaches and why in hopes of winning them back into the church? Honestly, I think that's a filibuster tactic. You know, 
if you are a bishop and you have someone in your diocese who's very prominent Catholic, who's very prominently in support of unrestricted abortion, you've had 20, 30 years to have that private conversation. I really don't want to hear you say now, I need time to have a private, private conversation with him. It should have, that conversation should have taken place years ago. Now, I don't need to be informed when you sit down with him. That is a private conversation. But eventually, are you going to take action or are you not? And now we see the pushback coming from liberal democratic members of the House of Representatives who are essentially challenging the bishop, saying, you, you know, you don't dare to withhold communion from me. And uh, boy, if the bishops don't take a stand, they're going to be run over by the political machinery. Yeah, it seems like that fish or cut bait uh, moment is upon them. So let's pray for our bishops that they will have courage and they will do the right thing. But Philip Lawler, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Well, thank you for having me. I'd like to do it again. Yeah, praise be to God. We'd like to have you on. Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, that's Philip Lawler's latest book. Get that at sophiainstitute.com. That is going to do it for our first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you for being on with us today. If you can join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. We'll have breaking news and stories. We're going to have gospel and saint of the day and the game shows on the docket, plus your conversation all coming up in the next hour. Joining us at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive who are left shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 24, which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. Two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus' coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. 
the good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the left behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Philip Lawler. He is the author of a book called Contagious Faith, Why the Church Must Spread Hope, Not Fear in a Pandemic. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. Great conversation. I was looking forward to speaking with Philip Lawler for a while now, so it was good to have him on. Great guest. We're going to be posting that conversation on our YouTube channel, our Facebook, and elsewhere later today. So make sure that you're subscribed to those. You can also catch the podcast of our show. I don't know if you are a subscriber to the podcast, but uh, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast, either on iTunes, uh, you know, Google Play, Spotify. You can also just go straight to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can get the podcast there as well. But you know what would help us? If you want to help us grow the audience, share this content with even more people, well, one of the ways to do that is to leave a review, especially on iTunes, Google Play. Those are the big uh, content distributors for podcasting. And getting five-star reviews helps us to grow our audience to strangers that you will never meet this side of the heavenly veil in hopes of sharing this information with those people, planting a seed in their hearts. So five-star reviews. Now, maybe you're saying, Joe, you're not worthy of a five-star review. Well, praise be to God. Fair enough. Still leave a five-star review and then just, you know, tell me whatever you need to tell me in the comments. That'd be fine. I'd be all right with that. Um, but it would help us to grow nonetheless. We'd be grateful to you. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Praise be to God. It was good to talk to you, Philip Lawler. Yes, it was. I'm really glad we got him on. Yeah, me too. Praise be to God. I'm glad he glad he came. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Yes, sir. I'm here, and it is good to be here. And it counts. And it counts. And it counts. Praise be to so. God. Kind of a, a sort of a, a bit of a sorrowful day for, for a lot of people, especially in the Houston, Texas area of our audience, because uh, uh, Father Ryan Starways passed into his eternal reward last night at about 10.30 p.m. He, uh, he was suffering through cancer. He was an incredible young, uh, dynamic priest, well-loved here. Uh, in this particular archdiocese, and he will be greatly missed. But 
He was such a great guy. Um, We're going to trust him to the mercy of God. But let's pray for his repose. Let's also pray for his family. But we're praying for all those people who are facing eternity today and for their family members who are going to grieve their loss. Of course, we'll also pray for your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your heart today, whatever you're struggling with, whatever your needs are, we're going to offer those up to the sacred heart of Jesus, as well as our own needs here on the team. Now, what we're about to do is we're going to have the good news with Janelle Light. Praise be to God. We're going to do Saint of the Day, uh, Gospel of the Day. And then, of course, we'll have a gospel reflection thanks to verboom.com forward slash GRN. And then we will play Fear and Trembling. And Janelle, who's our sponsor this week? Our sponsor this week is Annunciation Designs. They offer practical products to help your family call to mind the sacred in the midst of the ordinary. Praise be to God. Yes, praise be to God. Thank you. So we'll be giving out a prize from Annunciation Designs later this week. You could win, and you don't even need to know the answers to any of the questions that we will ask, because we won't ask you those questions. So it's super simple, and it's a lot of fun, and that is happening at about uh, 15, 16 past the hour. You can find the phone number and the rules all on our website, if you're interested, at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, but I'll give you the phone number as well here in just a few moments. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. All the way from LifeSite News, Wisconsin lawmakers passed bills banning gender-confused males from competing with men, women, and girls. The Wisconsin Assembly passed legislation last week banning gender-confused males from competing against women and girls. The women-led bills include Assembly Bill 196, which apl- applies to public schools, and Assembly Bill 195, which relates to higher education institutions. The bills explicitly prohibit males from participating in sports teams for females and require that schools designate athletics based on biological sex rather than gender identity. Representative Dietrich slammed the push to put let males play against women and girls calling it an injustice. Instead of pushing biological females off the podium, why don't we just get people the proper mental health care they need, she asked. And for those who are pushing for biological males to participate in female sports, do they even care about the mental health of the actual biological females who are subjected to this injustice? Democrats unanimously opposed Assembly Bill 195 and Assembly Bill 196, and the Assembly LGBTQ Caucus announced a list of radical proposed changes to the state constitution prior to the floor session. The bills nevertheless passed 59 to 38, with broad Republican support despite concerns about retaliation from the NCAA. They will now be considered by the Republican Senate, though neither measure is likely to be signed by Democrat Governor Tony Evers. From the Hill, Texas law seeks to protect parents from false child abuse claims. A new law in Texas will require child welfare workers and family courts to consider further medical options before removing children from their parents. As NBC News reports, the law, which was signed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Friday, comes after a 2019 investigation conducted by NBC and the Houston Chronicle that looked into parents accused of child abuse based on mistaken reports from doctors. 
The in-depth investigative project took over nine months and looked into 40 cases in Texas and found that legal and medical systems, although mostly accurate in their determinations, can sometimes fail to differentiate between accidental injuries and abuse. The reports focused on child abuse pediatricians, a subspecialty of doctors who work closely with welfare agencies to determine whether or not a child is a victim of abuse. Under the new law, which goes effect into December, caretakers accused of abuse based on a medical report can request another opinion from a doctor with experience relevant to a child's injuries. NBC reports that a judge will then take this second opinion into consideration before ordering a child be taken into child protective services. False removals are traumatic for kids first and foremost, but also for their parents. So we have to be more precise in the way we go through the removal process. I think sometimes when an expert in a white suit says something, there's a tendency for CPS to go, they're 100% right, but that's not always the case. Texas State Representative Gene Wu, a lawyer who works for CPS cases, said he supported the bill because it ensures that agencies and judges have more information and can make better decisions. Like all things that CPS does, there is a delicate balance, Wu says, according to NBC. If you tip it too far to one side, then you will have kids who are returning to families that are abusing them. And if you tip it too far the other way, then you have families that are having their kids stripped away because of a medical mistake. From Crooks, South Carolina considers extending religious objections to therapists. South Carolina lawmakers are considering a bill to let mental health professionals reuse refuse to provide care that violates their religious beliefs in response to an ordinance banning cons- conversion therapy for minors in the state's capital city. The Senate Medical Affairs Subcommittee heard testimony on the legislation Monday, but didn't take a vote. The state already has such medical conscience protections in place for doctors and other health care prof- providers, allowing them to opt out of providing non-emergency services to people when it contradicts their religious, moral, ethical, or philosophical beliefs or principles. The legislation would expand those protections to mental health professionals, said bill sponsor Senator Josh Kimbrell, a Republican from Spartansburg. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. The saint of the day is St. John Fisher. He was born in 1469 at Beverly, Yorkshire, England, and studied theology at Cambridge University, receiving degrees in 1487 and 1491. He became the parish priest in Northallerton, England, in 1491 to 1494, and gained a reputation for his teaching ability. He became the proctor of Cambridge University and confessor to Margaret Beaufort, mother of King Henry VII in 1497. He became the Bishop of Rochester, England in 1504, and he worked to raise the standard of preaching in his see. The Chancellor of Cambridge tu- and became, he became the Chancellor of Cambridge and tutor of the young King Henry VIII. The excellent speaker and writer, when in 1527 he was asked to study the problem of Henry's marriage, he became the target of Henry's wrath when John's defending the validity of the marriage and rejecting Henry's claim to be head of the church in England. He was imprisoned in 1534 for his opposition and spent 14 months in prison without trial. While in prison, he was created a cardinal in 1535 by Pope Paul III. He was martyred on the 22nd of June, 1535 on Tower Hill, Tyburn, London, England. He was buried in the churchyard of All Hallows, Barking, England, without rites or a shroud. His head was exhibited on London Bridge for two weeks as an example, then thrown into the River Thames. 
His relics are in St. Peter's Church in the Tower of London. He was canonized in 1935 by Pope Pius XI. St. John Fisher, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and 12 through 14. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to God in all things. Real quick, one of the things I found fascinating is the section they skip over. Today was verse 6, then 12 through 14. The section in the middle, this is about asking and you shall find, seeking and you shall knock. Now, what I love about that thought, that this is in between the part that they skipped today in the passage, is that the first part is don't give that which is sacred to the profane. Just like the conversation we're having about, you know, communion to those that would obstinately deny what the church teaches on the intrinsic evil issues, right? Okay, well, there's this thing about asking. It's, it's like an invitation to them. Come, ask, seek, knock, you will find. But they still obstinately refuse. And then how many of them are, how many of our, uh, like I said in the conversation with Philip Lawler, how many bishops are talking about pastoral care, but aren't actually reaching out to these politicians at all that we know of? Not that it's our business necessarily, but it is a public scandal and therefore has to be dealt with in somewhat of a public way. Just a thought there. Here's a pseudo, here's pseudo Christendom on a little quote, and then I'll pass it over. The way of life is all righteousness and is called narrow for the contrary reasons. It must be considered that unless one walk in the way, he cannot arrive at the gate. So they that walk not in the way of righteousness, it is impossible that they should truly know Christ. Likewise, never, neither rather, does he run into the hands of the devil unless he walks in the way of sinners. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, the um, two things. One, I always harp on this passage that the road to hell is wide and many people travel on it. The road to heaven is narrow and few people travel on it. And the thing that's important to note here that's often overlooked is the fact that they're just talking about the road. They're not talking about who actually made it to heaven. Because just because you're on the road to heaven doesn't mean you actually make it to the destination. Just like just because you're on your way to, uh, I don't know, taking a road trip from, from Houston to Dallas, that's a six-hour drive. And just because you're on the road to Dallas doesn't mean you're going to make it to Dallas. Who knows what will happen in between? And the same thing is true here. Our Lord says that few walk on the path toward heaven. That's that's very striking and very concerning because just because you're on the road to heaven does not mean you make it. And our Lord said that few even get to the road. Now, talking about the swine and the dogs in the very beginning, this is a very important uh, saint or rather um, Cornelius Lapide says that the dogs uh, are understood as the Gentiles as being impure and the swine, the heretics, because they are addicted to the belly. By that which is holy, he understands baptism and the Eucharist, which he should not be given 
to impure and unworthy persons. Pearls are the mysteries of the truth. And this is what Cornelius Lapide says. The swine are the heretics, and we should not cast pearls at them. And what are the pearls? It is baptism and the holy sacrament, the blessed sacrament, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and present in the Eucharist. That is what we should not cast at the heretics, as what our, the Cornelius Lapide says, are called swine. Very important. Yes, yes, yay and amen. But that's why they're supposed to ask and seek and knock and find. They'll find it. Sinners need to come home to Jesus like the rest of us. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, coming up now, we're going to go to break. and We're going to play the, the game Fear and Trembling, and your opportunity to win is coming up next. All you have to do is be our caller. Super simple. You don't even need to know the answers to win. Three questions, three chances to win our prize this week at 877-757-9424. 877 Call right now. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis- Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden 
agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this information with anybody else, but just keep it between us. But there's a few things we like to do on the game show segment of our program. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we hopefully uh, pick questions that you might learn something you probably did not know before. Praise be to God. And of course, we like to have a laugh and a good time in the process. And our contestants tend to be a lot of fun and laugh right along with us. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes. That makes it kind of a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. We do not ask our caller the questions. They do not need to know the answers to win the game. Praise be to God. That's pretty awesome because I ask Janelle and I ask Adrian these questions and one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What are they going to win, Janelle? This week, you could potentially win a six-month subscription to the Wonderlist Catholic, a snail mail letter describing Catholic treasures around the world. It's a great gift to inspire the imaginations of children. Amen. Yes. Amen. Praise Amen. be to God. Thank you to our sponsor this week. We're very grateful to everyone who uh, helps us make the show happen and our game show sponsors that give out the prizes out of generosity. We thank you, Annunciation Designs, AnnunciationDesigns.com. We're very grateful to you. God love you and God bless you. All right, let's go to the phones. I want to thank all those who did call in. Praise be to Jesus. We love seeing the phone lines light up. If you don't get on today, please call back tomorrow. Call in early, too, if you'd like. The phone number is listed on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the lines here. Myrna, good morning to you. Thanks for being on our show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God, Myrna. It's good to have you here. Now, where are you calling from? Arlington, Texas. Arlington, Texas. I don't think I've been to Arlington in a very long time. Uh, probably since 2000 and, I don't know, 12 maybe. Been a long time. But where do you go to church? St. Matthew Catholic Church. I have been there. Isn't there? I, is, I, yes, I have been there. It's been a long time, like I said, but praise be to God. Uh, now, have you been listening to the show? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, I listen every morning. Every morning. I like to hear that, Myrna. That's yeah. music to my ears now. But then you know then, Janelle and, and Adrian, they might try to fool you and, and throw you off. you got to listen carefully. Yes, I do. And I, however, am, am on your spot, side and, and your best friend. So let's see if we can't get you into the coffee cup of divine providence. Are you ready to go, Myrna? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I like that. I like that. All right, Janelle. We're going to start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Oh, yes. All right, Janelle, can you tell me where is St. Patrick's Cathedral located? Mm, St. Patrick's Cathedral, the Irish saint. Um, I'm going to go with Ireland because he's Irish. Are you sure? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Are okay. you sure? Well, we're about <laughs> to find out, aren't we? Uh, Adrian, uh, can you tell me? Where is St. Patrick's Cathedral located? Hmm. St. Patrick's Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say St. Patrick's Cathedral is located in New York. In New York. Any particular, like Rochester or Buffalo? Where in New York? Uh, where in New York? Well, um... 
<laughs> I'm going to say New York City, I guess. New, New York City. Okay. I mean, okay. that that makes sense, right? Okay. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Adrian is on the hook for New York City, the Big Apple. And uh, Miss Janelle is on the hook for Ireland. Where is St. Patrick's Cathedral located? New York City or Ireland? 15 seconds on the clock. Myrna, what say you? Adrian. Survey says... Duh! I don't have my phone. I don't know where my dub button is. Well done, Myrna. That was an easy one, right, Myrna? That was super easy. Yes, that was an easy one. I knew that one. Yes, of course. She's Ireland. not getting fooled today. Come on, Janelle. <laughs> Fascinating fact. Now, that's where uh, the remains of Fulton Sheen were located, and there had to be a like a long, drawn-out court battle in order to uh, have the remains uh, moved to Joliet, Illinois, in order to further his cause. So, uh... Fascinating fact. Now they no longer have Fulton Sheen in New York City. Praise be to God. All right. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence for one try. Well done, Myrna. Let's see if we can get you in there again here. I think it's all easy question uh, Tuesday. So we're going to go to Adrian this time. Adrian, can you tell me? What is the term for a truth which cannot fully, which we cannot fully understand. A truth we cannot fully understand. What do we call that? Mm. I'm going to go with necessio. Uh, pardon? What necessio. Was that? Necessio? Mm-hmm. It's a technical term. Is it? It is. This is what, uh, the, like theological studies or something? Necessio? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Uh, sure, that's not like an instant coffee brand. No, definitely not. I don't Necessity. drink instant coffee. Okay. Or coffee at all. <laughs> at all? All right. Uh, should we trust people who don't drink coffee? That should be another question. I'm going to write that down. All right, Janelle, can you tell me, what is the term for a truth which cannot be fully understood? Hmm. A truth that we can't fully wrap our minds around. What do we call that? I would say that it's a mystery. It's a mystery. A mystery. We got to answer the question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My uh, answer is Janelle a is mystery. The, Janelle is on the hook for a mystery, and Adrian is on the hook for necessio. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Myrna, what say you? I'll go for Janelle. Survey says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you're not falling for this at all, Myrna. Was that an easy question for you? Uh, I, I, it was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't hard or difficult. Yeah, praise be to God. It's all easy question Tuesday. Now, what is necessio, Adrian? It's Latin for I don't know. <laughs> 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 See what I say about uh, tricky piece of business with these uh, necessio. We learned something new today. Uh, I was thinking of Nest. Is it Nestle? Is the instant coffee I, brand? I think, I think it's so. Nestle. Yeah, I have no so. idea. <laughs> Pretty sure. I, I thought Nestle you was have the, cho- the, the chocolate, the hot chocolate. I guess they make. Maybe they, they do that too. I, have no I don't know. I have no. All idea. right, uh, you're in there for two. Praise be to God, uh, Marina. Let's get you in there for three. Third question. Here we go. Back to Janelle. Super easy question. Janelle, can you tell me? During which years was the Second Vatican Council held? Ooh, the Second Vatican Council? As opposed to the third. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we haven't had a third one yet, have we? Have we? Oh, have we? Have we? Oh, okay. Well, okay, it's so necessio. I believe I believe that the Second Vatican Council ha- occurred for three years. So I'm going to go with 1962 to 1965. Mm, okay. Okay. Yes. 
19, you said? Yes, 19. Okay, 19 Fairly recent, 20th century. Okay, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, during which years was the Second Vatican Council held? Yeah, Janelle's close, but it's actually 1967 to 1972. Huh. Okay. Yep, yep. Very, so there's a, there's a slight difference there. So Adrian is on the hook for 1967 to 1972. And Miss Janelle is on the hook for 1962 to 1965. Was it the 60s or the early 70s? 15 seconds on the clock. Myrna, what say you? Oh, that's, a, that's a hard one. Okay. Uh, maybe Adrian? Are you sure? I'm so sorry! Wow! Yikes! I'm so... You did! Praise be to God! <laughs> Praise be to God! You, that, 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 that was a hard question. That that, was why a hard did you one. pick that one, uh, Adrian? That's, that, when all the, that's whenever the, uh, the new mass was instituted, yeah. and that 62, was whenever all the rollout 65. from Vatican II started coming into play. So, yes, it is, in fact, 62 to 65, but uh, there you go. You're in there for two. Praise be to God. You could possibly win still on Friday, but Myrna, I'm very proud of you. You gave it your best shot. We had a good time. Thank you for playing the game with us today. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me in. Have a blessed day. God love you. We're going to put you on hold, Myrna, so that we get your phone number in case it be God's will that you are the winner today. So uh, whatever you're doing today, praise be to God, we'll be praying for your intentions. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our program. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're always grateful to hang out with you on the radio side. Don't forget to check out the podcast, the video conversation that we're going to post later today. You can find everything linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Tomorrow, on the show, we're going to speak with Ray Gerhalba. He's got that movie coming out about the miracles of the Holy Eucharist, and we're going to conversate with him again about that. And uh, in the after show tomorrow, Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, is going to be on with us in our after show. We're going to record it and play it on, on a future episode, but uh, big day tomorrow. Hopefully you'll join us for that. But again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Join up to our email list and stay in the know with what's going on on CDT. God love you and God bless you. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we conversate a lot more casually about whatever it is that's on your mind. Praise be to God. So you got to let us know if you're new here or you've been hanging out, you've never commented before. Let me encourage you. Please comment. Do be a first time commenter. We always like to lavish extra love on our first time commenters. So let us know where you're from, how you listen, how often you have listened. Maybe that would be pretty cool to know. But I want to thank uh, William Hemsworth. Good morning. If you got your email, William, I'll be getting back to you shortly. Um, I can be bad about that sometimes. 
uh, responding in a timely manner. So uh, I apologize up front, but I will be responding. I'd love to be on your program. That'd be great. Uh, Tammy, good morning to you. Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Mike K., it's good to see you guys here. Over on the YouTube side, or that was YouTube, Facebook. Patty, good morning. It's good to see you again, as always. Jesus Robles, friend of the show. Thank you. Lori, good morning. Glenn. Glenn, how'd your trip go? I'd like to know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who else is here? I'm not seeing all the comments. Nicola Carbone, Carbone Jr., good morning. Monica Cortez, good morning. Praise be to God. Joaquin and Gloria, good morning to you. Luz, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I got a feeling uh, Facebook's up to it's crazy again. They're either updating all the time or they're like just giving me the slow death by a thousand cuts routine again because I don't see everything. Josh Noll, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, what else? Let's see. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. So what's going on? What's new? That was a good conversation with Philip Lawler. Um, term limits for bishops. Have you ever thought about that? I guess one thing that bothers me about term limits for bishops is it's like the it's like waiting for the next administration. Like we're all just waiting for the next administration to come and then we can move on. Mary Bowes, good morning to you. Are you a first time commenter? Is Mary Bowes a first time commenter? Uh I don't quite see I think so. Where at? On YouTube. on YouTube. I think she is. I'm, no. No? no? Mm -mm. So you're saying she's a second-time commenter? No. Oh. Like Her? maybe fifth? Oh, fifth. do we have a fifth-time commenter, Sounder? Sure, why not? Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think Well, that, that was the one I was going to play. That, well, what, what, which, I, which I was going to say... Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say that could be the, uh, the fifth-time commenter. This is the fifth-time commenter, Sounder? Mary, are you the fifth-time commenter? You get the uh, X-Files music? We could also do... Twilight Zone. Wow. Now, yesterday we had the Burrier family in. Praise be to God. They were a lot of fun. Did they like, uh, did, did you have to reset the board today? No, no, they didn't <laughs> break anything. They were uh, very excited to press the buttons. Uh, so I let them press the buttons. Very, they were very invigorated, very excited. Uh, but it was good. It was no problem. Yeah, praise oh, God. No, they were a lot I said of fun. Not, it is our first time, but it's a Larrick's wife. Whoa! There we go. So that she deserves the first time commenter sounder then. Yes. Amen. Yes. Of course. Praise be to God. God love you, Mary. Praise be to Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. We're very grateful to you. Hallelujah. Praise be to Colin Jesus. Colin said a great show. Thank Good you, morning, Colin. folks. Great show. Good morning, Colin. Good morning. Yeah, praise to God. Good morning. Now, where is everybody from? Sometimes I forget uh, where everybody is from. So if you could comment, let us know. What part of the planet are you in? Also, your uh, mother's maiden name and the last <laughs> four digits of your social Your security. high school mascot, your first pet, <laughs> first, where you met your spouse, uh, your pen number of your bank account would be also... No, I'm teasing. I don't want any Myra said, uh, good morning, CDT. Good morning. Good morning, Myra. Myra. It's been a long time, Myra. Uh, what's going on with you, Myra? What's going on with your family? Uh, besides vacationing a lot, I always... Whenever I'm on uh, Facebook, which is not all that often anymore, it seems... Uh, I always see pictures of the uh, the Wade family vacationing someplace, living the good life. Praise be to God. You know, I don't like the idea of term limits for bishops because I think it promotes an idea of, you know, having being a bishop is just a job. You're going to retire from being a from being a bishop, and you just live a life of luxury afterwards. 
it's not it's, it's no longer a vocation and it's and the church is also not a democracy it's a monarchy and so they are the princes of the church we shouldn't be like switching out now obviously what we were talking about is not just uh we i mean the retirement age for bishops that's whole thing that's that's kind of what i'm referring to but i guess uh, in regards to working offices at the vatican well i guess you can have term limits there because it's just that is just a job um that's not your vocation (laughs) uh but you know i don't know the whole idea it just it just rubs me the wrong way well i think there's ups and downs to everything right I mean, yes, I agree. Bishops have uh, this vocation, and it's for life. But there are there are times when a bishop gets to the point where his uh, physical health, his physical abilities, his mental abilities can be impaired. And what happens when there's a vacuum? Right, it's the nature abhors a vacuum that gets filled. And what does it get filled with? So when there's not strong, good leadership in a diocese, and the bishop is just sort of doing. You know, caring for himself, just trying to survive every day. I mean, like, who's running the show? Who's making those decisions? What decisions are they making? Are they good ones? Are they bad ones? I mean, what is going on? Who's who's running the ship when the captain is uh, is not doing well? I think that's part of the part of the question in my mind. Um, but like I said, there's good goods and bad stuff at all. Colin from Derry City, Ireland, but living in Northern Virginia. Wow, praise be to God. That's awesome. What's so the weather is like there, there? Is there a, uh, a St. Patrick's Cathedral in Ireland? I feel like there is. It, I would like, like to apologize there, for there, all the Irish names I messed up. I know. On is there, it must, there has to be a St. Patrick's Cathedral in Ireland, right? I, I, I just, it would blow my mind or, if there wasn't. What about a basilica? Or a basilica or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty a shrine? of, of St. Patrick's Definitely. Church yes. shrine. I'm sure there's tons, tons of St. Patrick churches, I'm but sure. like a cathedral or a yeah. basilica or something. Yeah. Very interesting. Myra said, LOL, I always listen while I work, just don't always get it, get to chime in, but I do listen almost daily. Love the show. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. David L. from New Hampshire. Good morning, CDT. My high school mascot was the Saints. <laughs> uh, praise be That's to Jesus. Cool. Mike said, uh, how about term limits for popes? Unless their name is Pius. JK. JK. Just joking. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That'd be horrible. We definitely don't want. I would. Then I would hate that because exactly, popes. exactly. <laughs> and retired popes are not. That's not a thing. You can't have retired popes. It's an office. It's not like a, a another level of, of holy orders. It's, it's not the presidency of the United States. Yeah, this is. It's so bad. It's so. I was listening to a uh, interview with Cardinal Burke, and he was like, "Yeah, when Benedict retired, I told I expressed my uh, displeasure with him about the idea about him retiring." Um, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm glad to know that that not that some of the cardinals also think that that was a bad bad move. Yeah, for sure. Well, term limits limits good popes and good bishops. It, yeah. Well. Well, those are the one they only apply to, to good bishops. I mean, apparently. theoretically, it would limit good or bad, theoretically. But as we're seeing, as the conversation we have with Phil Lawler was it's doing the opposite. It's doing the opposite. It's only limiting the good ones. The bad ones are allowed to continue on. You know, or the ones that we find the most troubling, I think is a better way to say it, uh, are allowed to continue on, where the, where the ones we find the least troubling are allowed to go off into retirement. And then what do they do? Like, what's Cardinal Mueller doing right now? Chilling. He's, he's just chilling. <laughs> dude, like dude that, I don't know uh, that, that Germans that chill, by the way. You know, I've lived like, in Germany. I'm not sure Germans chill. You've never seen that. that I don't uh, see Germans chilling much. you never seen that, that gif where the guy just laying and he's like, what you up to? Nothing. Just chilling. <laughs> no, I've no. Never, never 
Sorry, I'm unfamiliar that, uh, with that. Meme I'm unfamiliar well. with that. That's okay. <laughs> and if it's anything like Jesus, a friend of mine, uh, and other types of content you share with me, uh, no. I'm glad you I'm mentioned gonna, it. I'm, no. 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 I completely <laughs> forgot about Jesus, a friend of mine. There's not enough coffee in the world for this. I'm so <laughs> glad that it was brought up, brought to my attention. Your compensation package is just not up to the same, you know, commensurate level as the abuse you have to suffer as a result of being in the room, right? Yeah. Come on, man. I know it. Exactly. Come on, man. Yes, exactly. I know. Praise be to God. What else Why are you agreeing with Joe Biden so much? I, what? I don't know what you mean. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Ooh, Mike K., honestly, the what idea... What are you talking about? <laughs> that one's better. It's louder. You can hear it better. Honestly, the idea of term limits in a monarchy is silly for the princess of the... Did I say princess? Yeah, was that out loud? That was a uh, Freudian slip whenever you say one thing and mean your mother. <laughs> was that the out loud voice just now? I've got to work on it. I'm, write, I'm writing a note. It's very awkward. No out loud voices very with awkward. inside thoughts. Honestly, the idea of term limits is a, in a monarchy is silly. The prince of the church or the heir of St. Peter. <laughs> now, okay, from my perspective, Mike, you wrote princess. I think you meant prince, princes, as in plural. Yeah. I read that. My mind saw a princess. Yeah, it's, you know, Freudian slip. It's, you know? What are we talking about? Oh, my goodness. What, what has a show Okay. Ouch. 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 That's going to leave a stain right there. That's uh, not good. You know, I got, I'm getting a that call right good. now. Um, yes, Cardinal DiNardo wants to talk to you. I'm sure. I, uh, what did you say? What was the word? Uh, Nest, Nestle? Uh, what was the word earlier? Nest, Nesesco? I Nesesio? Nesesio. 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 Uh, let's see. Uh, Tammy says, Pensacola here. Praise be to God. Our bishop is awesome. I love that. That's great. And his big charity is helping the poor and homeless. Uh, Bishop uh, Wack, I guess that's his name, was sent by the Pope from Texas. We had the privilege of going to his ordination. That's awesome. Praise be to God for that. Lori said what you're thinking of is Nespresso. 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 I don't know. Am I thinking about Nespresso? I think it's, I thought I'm pretty sure it's Nestle who makes makes no. like a, an instant coffee. I'm no, pretty sure Nestle is the, is the chocolate. It's called Nescafe. Oh, now you're going to make uh, me look it up. There's so many Nes- Nescafe. Nestle instant Nescafe. coffee. Nescafe. Nescafe. And Nespresso. it's actually pretty good instant coffee. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Nesquik is what I'm thinking of. Nesquik <laughs> chocolate milk. Okay. Too many I, different am, things. I just Googled it so we know it must be true. Okay. Uh, Nestle makes Nescafe. Yes, oh. so I was still right. You were right. We're both right. It's, in fact, Nescafe, but it's owned by Nestle. So there you go. Nescafe. So Nestle is the parent company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Now I'm glad Clara. we resolved these very difficult <clears throat> theological difficulties. This was a very important issue. Very important. Come on, man. Yes, for sure. Nescafe, see, even Laurie agrees with me. Nes- Nescafe is Nestle. Advertised by George Clooney. <laughs> is a, Does that mean we should avoid it? Is a, uh, is a, is a what type? A Keurig, Keurig type Probably machine. Like Keurig? Oh, Keurig. Oh, Keurig. A Keurig, Keurig, Keurig type machine to make a very strong coffee advertised by George Clooney. Uh, where does he advertise that? I don't have television, cable television, so I never see ads all that much. I didn't. I also try to avoid relevant. George Clooney. Yes. <laughs> now, to okay, to be honest, do you 
Do you like George Clooney as an actor, but dislike his policy, his, his personal opinions, and his way of life? Um, honestly, I can't think of any of his movies. Right Not a moment. one? Peacemaker. He was in Batman, right? I liked right? Peacemaker. He was Batman, Yes, right? he was Batman. Yeah, that was great. I liked him in Peacemaker. How about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot he was in that movie. Of That's course. a good movie. Yes. That was a good movie. You know, uh, that's the trouble with some some of these actors. It's like it's trouble with all of them. Uh, mm. not all of them, but you like mm. you're like, "Oh, I that's really majority. like them." Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise as an actor. Mm-hmm. His personal life is less than optional, less than ideal. It's not great at all. Uh, so that's true for a lot of people. Uh, Mike K says pretty good is never paired with the instant coffee. Mike K <laughs> has never had Nescafe. You know, um, so when I go I go camping and hunting, um, Usually in January. I usually get one weekend where I can try to make it happen and bring home meat for my family. And we go roughing it on this land out in Hondo. And um, and it's usually, you know, very cold and whatever. But so I, I usually pack like instant coffee to make my life a little easier in the mornings before I go. But this last time I decided I would do cowboy coffee. Have you ever, have you ever done cowboy coffee? So it's like uh, you, you, you get this kettle... And you put the, the grinds at the top, and then mm-hmm. you boil the water inside the same kettle. And <laughs> I, there must be a science to this. The cowboys have figured this out. They are very intelligent people. I, however, cannot find a way to properly make cowboy coffee because I get the grinds everywhere. It's a total hot mess, and the coffee is disgusting. That I'm going right back to instant coffee. It's Mike, just better. Mike K agrees. He says it was atrocious. Or is he, I don't know. I think no, he was he referring agree with me. to. He He's was saying. referring to the Nescafe yeah. instant <laughs> coffee. <laughs> cowboy coffee sounds a lot like Cowboy coffee sounds a lot like the uh, the espresso maker. The little small espresso maker. No, say, uh, n- yeah. Oh yeah, Nesco. you put it on the stove and you put the grinds in it and you put the water in it and you let it perk. Well, yeah, it's kind of like that. You got it's a kettle, right? Yeah. And you got the little clear plastic thing at the top so you can see the the, bo- the boiling water bubbling up. Yep. Well, if you open the lid, inside is an insert that goes inside the thing with mm-hmm. the water that ho- it's a basket that holds the yep. grinds. Right. But it holds it at the top. But there's like a, a, a secret NASA formula, an al- the, like a, a secret Google algorithm that you have to know about how much grinds per how mm-hmm. much water, per how much heat, and for how much time. Uh, you have to know all of that. And if you do know that, you probably work for Elon Musk, by the way. Okay, you have to be that intelligent, apparently. That's why you have to pick a good I instant coffee. clearly do not qualify because I've tried it a bunch of times and have never been successful. I put more grinds, less grinds, more water, less water. It just, never, it, it just becomes a, a huge, giant, massive, ugly mess of terrible coffee with coffee, wet coffee grinds everywhere. Mike says that he, he says, I have a grinder have a hand grinder and a stainless steel French press. Some of us take coffee seriously <laughs> for travel. He said at home, yeah, he travel. uses a Gagia Classic Pro for home brewing. Oh, man. Um, fancy. Interesting. That's I have fancy. no idea anything you just said. I am very confused. So, But it all sounds um, very fancy schmancy. I'm going to assume that that's really cool. I'm going to assume <laughs> it's really cool. You know what's funny about that is I like to watch uh, Overlanders on YouTube, you know, um, 
and they uh, they travel with like these very expensive overlanding rigs on backcountry roads so that's all four wheel driving and miles and miles from from in the middle of nowhere and they bring everything with them to survive out there and then they have these like gourmet meals and they have these coffee grinders and hand presses and it's just like it feels so anti you know yeah you know. glamping yes exactly. so glamping it's so hilarious you know it's like i feel like cowboy coffee ought to exist in those scenarios but instead it's the coffee press that does in fact uh anyway praise praise be to god any non-coffee drinkers other than Adrian Fonseca in our audience today? Let us know. Uh, I, I'd like to know uh, how it is you've gotten away with that for all these years. Really? Uh, no. I'm one of them, but I feel very – lately I've been very tempted to convert over to the coffee side. Have you had coffee before? I have had coffee So before. you know what it tastes like? Yes, sir. And when, when was like. the first time you've had coffee? Ooh, oh, man. I, I don't remember – uh, probably when I was like pretty young, like my dad drank a lot of coffee, yeah. And so I'm like, "What's that? I want some of it." And I took a sip, and I didn't like it at first. Um, and then, but my dad likes uh, putting creamer and um and uh, sweetener in his coffee, so I began to warm up to it. Yeah. And Adrian, have you ever had coffee before? Oh, I've had more coffee than I can even name. <laughs> uh, I've had. Whenever I was in high school, my uh, best friend, Sean, we would go to school together. We'd uh, commute together, and his mom would make us a Vietnamese coffee every morning. Uh, that was actually pretty good, but it's mostly because it's super, super sweet. Um, then I think my senior year of high school, I was working at a plastic company, Sunrise Plastic Enterprise, and we would get there at 5 in the morning, and uh, all the guys would have a cup of black coffee in the morning right before we started work. And so I had a cup of black coffee every morning with the guys, and I hated it, but I choked <laughs> it down because uh, I didn't want to be uh, the odd one out. And uh, then my ex-girlfriend was a huge coffee drinker, huge coffee drinker. Yeah. And so she'd get beans from po uh, Costa Rica, from uh, all over South America, get them uh, sent to the U.S., and she'd grind her own coffee, and she'd make me try a ton of different coffees, never liked any of them. Um, we'd go to all these different coffee houses, and I never found it coffee that that I liked. Um, yeah, so I've had plenty of coffee. I just don't like it. I don't know why. I just don't like the taste of it. What so. about tea? Drinking tea? You know, uh, Lou's, I drink tea Lou and says she, she, she drinks tea. Yeah, yeah. Lou says mm, she's no longer drinking coffee. She's doing tea instead. My family's gotten into matcha green tea lately. Matcha. Yeah. The fancy one, the wow. expensive one. So oh, yeah. they they really like it. Uh, I've heard they do some gross things with the higher end teas that are, I don't know. They kind of make me cringe on how they make some of that stuff. Isn't it the same way with coffee? Though? Yeah, it's the same no, way with coffee. No, no. Yeah, okay. I'm not buying any coffee that does yeah. gross things. Thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> now, can we all agree that the probably the greatest, uh, you know, if you had to go to a coffee shop to get coffee, probably the greatest coffee on earth is probably Dunkin' Donuts. My dad would agree. disagree. What do you mean disagree? <gasps> disagree. What do you think? Like, See, I, I hear Emily Tammy Mabry. <laughs> Tammy Mabry. <laughs> you just play Sienna? Okay, Tammy. <laughs> if someone makes coffee and you can see through the pot, it's not coffee. It's flavored water. And that's and what amen. I think. I Preach think it, sister. Dunkin' Donuts is there. Not even close. Oh, yeah. Nah. I don't even like Forget McDonald's coffees. It. I don't even like McDonald's coffee. Are yeah. You, I'm serious. What? I'm serious. Like either. McDonald's I, is pretty good for, for fast food coffee. I'm going to offend nope. everyone in the Midwest. Nope. Dunkin' Donuts is horrible. 
Yes, it is. Sorry, no. sorry, Midwesterners. No, actually, it's from the Northeast, by the way. Well, the just North- so you know. Well, my my Midwestern friends all love Dunkin'. That's because so it's the greatest. They, it's the uh, only sh- good one they have ever. It's disgusting. No, sorry, no. Go to Shipley's. No, and if what? you don't have a Shipley's, Shipley's? if you if you Shipley's come down to Texas, clearly and get Shipley's. Shipley's has no appreciation or love for coffee. It's no. like oh, I don't care about it's coffee. Like I'm talking about the donuts, donuts and kolaches. Yes. We're talking about coffee. Yeah, I'm talking about it as a whole. <laughs> I'm talking about it as a whole. Dunkin' Donuts. There's the no word is way. donuts. It's in the Not name. Donuts. Only does Dunkin' Donuts have way better coffee than Shipley's, but they also no. have donuts mm-hmm. as well. Their donuts are horrible. It's not, it's not even so close gross. to a competition. I've been spoiled, and I'm not being paid by them, I've been spoiled by Hertz Donuts. So Hertz? And, and they Hertz. have pretty good coffee there, but they used I'm, to be in Katy, they <laughs> left, sadly, and now they're in Houston, uh, and well, you know, I miss the Cookie Monster Donut and the... Um, <laughs> yes, and the uh, Andy's Mint. Andy's Mint. I never Andy's Andy's Mint. That was the bomb. Mint. That was the bomb. Melanie says, bomb. don't diss the Duncan. Yay and amen. Preach it. Sorry. Lori I says. Can, I can only say what is true. Lori says, Duncan Donuts, coffee. Joe, you Philistine. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's a fact. Oh, Sorry, sh- Melanie. Oh, I Here I stand and I can go no further. You can go no who further. Who said that? Anyone Ooh, can tell me who said that? Yes. Not uh, you. Not you. Uh, I mean, someone else. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. you know. Okay. Uh, so that's the question on the table. Who said what? Say it again. Uh, here I stand. I can go no further. Here I stand. I can go no further. Do, 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 do. Who see. said that? Come on now. A very oh, famous. A very, very famous, famous monk. Oh, I'll give you a hint. Monk. Very famous monk. He was an Augustinian. Yes, he was. Do, 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 do. Come, you got, come on, blank stairs. Really? I'm, I'm stuck. stuck. I'm Anybody stuck. in the audience Anybody. know who said that word? Yes, thank the, you for the that. only famous Augustinian I know is Saint Augustine. Come on, <laughs> the only Augustinian monk you know is Saint Augustine. Wasn't even exactly. Augustinian monk. I know exactly. Monk. <laughs> he was a bishop who started the Augustinian monk. That's why. That's awkward. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joe, you can tell them. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. Who is it? I, I'm gonna say we're talking 16th century. 16th mm-hmm. century. See, giving giving people a chance to guess. Yes. I see. Yeah. See. See the diet of worms. Diet of worms. The diet of worms. Sound familiar? Wow. Sound familiar? Wow. Uh, the uh, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles rebuked him. You're not talking about Luther. Okay, TikTok. Luther. Yes, in fact, we're talking about Luther. Yep. Why are we talking about Luther? Because that's the statement he made. He tried to because Adrian is more like Martin Luther. Because Melanie said, "Don't diss the Duncan," and I was saying that here I stand. I can go no further. Uh, So you're saying you're a heretic? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Saying you're the heretic, not the Dunkin' Donuts. What was that? Hmm, Lord, I'm sorry. The horns. Krispy Kreme donuts had a chocolate chip cookie donut. I want to try that. You're tempting me. Oh. Now, uh, Colin, he just loves black coffee, no sugar. Has to be hot. So you have you ever done iced coffee, Colin? I'm just curious. Now, I prefer hot coffee myself, and, and during the week, I only drink black coffee. I drink a lot of it, but it's all straight up black out of the keg, and it's 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 okay. It's not it's not awesome. It's not bad either. Tammy says, trying a diet, eat, fast, feast, that teaches you how to fast without getting sick. For coffee drinkers, recommends putting heavy cream and dash of salt. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned salt. So on the mm-hmm. weekends, so on, during the week, I do black coffee straight up, nothing. But on Saturday and Sunday, 
uh, I make the coffee for my wife and I. And I don't use creamer anymore, and I don't put sugar in our coffee. But what I do put in there is I put uh, a spoon, not a full spoon, but uh, maybe a half a spoon of uh, cocoa. I put cinnamon, a touch of nutmeg, and I put salt. And then I uh, fill it with the coffee, and then I put honey. And then uh, I put a little bit of half and half just to, uh, to finish it off. And it tastes muy bueno. Very, very good. Fancy, Joe. Ooh. Fancy. The, the salt actually brings out a lot of that flavor. It does. And when your your uh, coffee is too <laughs> acidic, um, that's what you do. You pour salt in it just to make it uh, palatable. Yeah. It why, works. Why are people works. putting acid in coffee? I would like to know. <laughs> Says the I'm guy who quoted Martin Luther. <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering. I mean, why, why is coffee acidic? Starbucks. Tammy, come on. We're not supposed to say that word on this show. <laughs> Starbucks makes great milkshakes. <laughs> milkshakes? Oh, sorry. Coffee. Starbucks. Pinch of salt. Yes and amen. That sounds yummy. <laughs> a mocha. Uh, yeah, I'm a definite mocha guy when it comes to coffee. Absolutely. Dunkin' Donuts are the only donuts that are calorie worthy. <laughs> That's horrible. Make the difference. Melanie, from your lips to God's ears. That's I, the truth. I will never eat Dunkin' Donuts ever again. What? Oh, they were so dry Come now. and tasteless. I was like, why would anybody have this when you can have Shipley's? Now, granted, the people in the Midwest don't have Shipley's, so that's why they have to have Dunkin'. Uh, and I, I don't understand Krispy Kreme. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, I don't, no, I'm not a huge fan no, of Krispy Kreme either. No. I don't like Krispy Kreme. I don't. I, I don't understand the hype. Yeah, me I neither. neither. I don't get it. I heard it's much. It's own. much better if you get it when it's hot. I heard it's like delicious, but I've never had it when it's like fresh off the press. And uh, every time I've had it, I was like, oh, it's not that much. It's like uh, just maybe slightly better than Dunkin'. Um, so I I'm going to say something slightly heretical. It's kind of like Water Burgers. You know, like, uh. it doesn't taste good when it's not hot. Like it's hot. Like the first few couple like minutes, like it's still hot. Like okay, yes, it's good. And then afterwards, it's like <laughs> there's no longer food. Who eats water burger the day after? It's what a burger, no. by the way. Well, it's how not does a water burger last when it's not hot? It is the how company you... is called what a what burger. a burger? What a burger? What a burger? Not water burger. Sorry, that's what I said. Water Who burger. would want to drink a water burger or eat a water burger? That's Who what I said. Water that? burger. It's what a burger. That's what I said. Water burger. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't, it's like it's like in Massachusetts. And I first met my wife, and I'm like, "Oh, where are you from?" She's like, "Oh, I'm from Peabody." I'm like, Peabody. Pe- Peabody. Like, Peabody. I looked it up on the map. I'm like, "No, it's Peabody." No, oh. it's Peabody. I'm like, the man's name is Peabody. Why are you calling him Peabody? Like same thing. It's kind of like the same no, concept. no. See, the the T and Texan makes a B sound. <laughs> it makes it, and then you so, and you lazily say so the A. Texas? Are you saying we're from Texas? Did you just say we're from Texas? Dayos. We're from Dayos. Dayos. Sure, why not? That works. <laughs> yeah. And you have to pronounce the A lazily, and so it's Whataburger. It's not Whataburger. I have to it's them lazily. No, 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 no. It's like uh, when uh, you're from um, Behar County. Behar. Behar. Yeah, Behar. San Antonio area. They yeah. say bear. San, An- San Yeah, San Antonio. Bear de Behar. County. Bear. Bear. Well, that's how County. it was originally pronounced. Uh, in 1836, the Battle of Alamo was pronounced Behar. Bear. Well, that's the Spanish name, yeah, Behar. Yeah. Now but it's Bear County. Bear County. Well, and I think you have to put the accent on that. Bear, I looked at Bear the, County. I looked at the ancient American sources, and the, the pronunciation guide American said source. Whataburger. So. <laughs> that's in the the rubrics? Yes. Or, no, that's in the lexicon? It's in the, it's in the old uh, ancient 
archival sources of American, of American English. English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. My my friend, uh, <laughs> my friend brother Jeremiah, he um, was telling me how he loves when people say ancient American sources. He <laughs> finds it the funniest thing ever. He's like, like because he studied years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he studied um, he studied in in the Holy Land for a year. And he was uh, doing um, archaeological things like that, and so he's like, uh, he's like, when he talked to Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and and a lot of just like interesting people in America, and I like how he says interesting people, and he says uh, he's like, and I just I just love it when they say ancient American sources, and they mean like two hundred years ago. It's like it's not ancient, not <laughs> very ancient, and I just I just find that very amusing. Yeah. Well, Lou says I actually don't like Duncan's. What? Thank you. No, just don't forgive me. I read that wrong. I have a habit of that today. I actually don't like donuts at all. I prefer Mexican pan dulce. Ooh. I do like kolaches, though. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's kolach, right? It, it, Isn't that the proper pan, way to say it? It's yeah, kolach. It's pan dulce, pan dulce and kolach. Pan dulce. Pan dulce. Pan whatever. Okay. Sweet bread. Now, let me, real quick, we're going off air. So let me tell you, tomorrow, we're supposed to have Secretary Mike Pompeo. That's cool. In the after show. Which means we aren't going to be treating tomorrow's after show like a normal after show. We're going to talk to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about things like the lab leak theory and uh, and what we knew when he was a Secretary of State and why all of a sudden has it come back in vogue. Things like that. Why there's uh, such a separation of the people from the people we elect in office. Why do we feel like it's gotten way out of control? We feel very little representation What's the future of politics, especially from a person who tries to live their faith? So all of that's coming up with our conversation with Mike Pompeo tomorrow. Uh, Ray Grijalba is going to be our guest during the show, though. So ought to be a good show, but tomorrow after show is going to be different. God love you. We'll see you then.